focus on your culture. But don't just take it from me, take it from our guest today who recently sold his business. Welcome to the Field Famous Podcast brought to you by Field Routes, a show that shines a light on the field services industry and dedicated professionals that grind every single day on their journey to success. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. Before we begin, I want to remind you that the best way to receive new episodes of this show is to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite pod player, wherever you find a podcast, you will find the Feel Famous Podcast. The show is also available in a video format, so you can go to YouTube. The best place to do that, go to BeFeelFamous.com. Right there, you'll find all the links and the YouTube links. Give it a subscribe. And if you're really enjoying the show, please be sure to leave us a five-star review. That way, it'll help other people in the industry and the space find this show. Our guest for today is Peter Chopin. Peter is the founder of Chopin Pest Solutions and current currently the owner of RV There Yet Pest Consulting, which I'm going to ask him about the name in a second. Peter, are you ready to be field famous? I have goosebumps. I'm ready to go. Yes. That's, that's the best answer I think I've ever got to that question. So, um, I, I mentioned to you, the way we, way we start this is introduce yourself, let everyone know your current role, and then we're going to go back and we'll start to get a little progression of your journey and how you got to where you are today. All right, very good. So I uh, recently sold Chopin Pest Solutions, and so uh, I thought I'd be semi-retired by now, but mm. actually I'm busier than I've ever been, which is a good thing for my wife. And um, <laughs> so basically um, basically, what I'm doing right now is uh, a lot of consulting work with RV there yet, which I know we're going to talk about yep. here in a moment. Um, I'm on the Purdue, uh, University of Purdue's um, committee for their... Uh, annual uh, conference. I'm also working with Purdue University behind the scenes on some projects we have for uh, for continuing education. Okay. Um, I'm still writing for PMP Magazine. I see uh, that. You're right. Are you, do you enjoy, like, are you, have you always written? Is it a passion or no? You just sort of, um, it's a thing. Well, going back to my history, I was a sports broadcaster. Oh. Uh, and I also wrote for newspapers. Um, and so, yeah, I've been writing for a long time, ever since I was probably 19 years okay. old. Okay. All right. And uh, PMP was uh, just a blessing to me. I, uh, my first year in business, um, when I uh, knew I was going to start Chopin Pest Solutions, I approached Marty Whitford at PMP and said I had an idea for an article. Sink or swim, we'll call it Startup Diaries, and we'll kind of follow along as Pete Chopin either succeeds or fails. Either way, Marty had a great story. And so um, they agreed to it, and I've been writing for them for 17 years now. Clearly, we've, we succeeded. And um, it's been just an unbelievable uh, thing to do with Marty and, and the crew over there. That's such a good. It's very smart. So what what was your what was your thinking there? It was a way for you to promote the business. It was a way for you to get more in the space, or you just saw it as a cool opportunity to get aligned with this new venture. Chris, my big thing has always been in this industry has been training. Mm. Um, I want to raise the level of pest control uh, across the board. So I thought if they could document what I was doing. And if I fail, great. Then people learn, don't do this. If I succeed, then then it's a blueprint for other people. So for me, it was always, in fact, mm. I wasn't even expecting to get paid for it. I just wanted to do it as, for fun. Uh, but Marty is very gracious and they've been paying me for doing it. And um, the first one we did was actually uh, went out as a, um, uh, th- this is going back 17 years. So it went out as a blog. You know, this is when blogs first started. Yep. I, I didn't even know what a blog was. Marty yep. said, well, we're going to put it on the internet. And I said, well, no one's going to read it. But of course, um, people were interested immediately with that type of article. Mm-hmm. And so Marty reached out to me um, 
he was going to do me quarterly, quarterly blog. He reached out to me and said, you know what? We're, we're going to do this monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wrote another one. It was Careful a huge what success. you wish for. Then it became. <laughs> right. Then it got into the magazine. And yeah. we've been, so it's been in the magazine for about yeah. 16 years. Yeah. Awesome. Now what we're doing is called Startup Stories, where I am interviewing and, and mentoring five pest control companies across America. And we're uh, we're documenting their mm. uh, how their companies are growing this uh, this particular year. So so I live by this philosophy in marketing. I come from a neuroscience background, and the brain the brain's job is to filter out as much as possible because it's got a lot to do. What it what it can't really filter out, and what it prefers to engage with are things that look like itself. So. If you, if I can see myself in someone else or something else, I'm more likely to pay attention to it. I'm more likely to engage in it because I can. I it's 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 beneficial to my survival. It's beneficial to me as a being if I can see myself or my experiences somehow there. So the challenge in in business and marketing is like this is the genesis of this show, if you will. The people listening to this show hopefully see or hear a little bit of what you're about to tell in their journey in their life. And they're going to be like, wow, I'm going through that right now. And it's going to, it's going to stick to them. It sounds like in a similar concept to what you're writing about, which is like, people can relate very much to my story. If I'm, if I'm failing at this, other people are failing at it. So it's sort of along those lines. I imagine that's, that's part of it. And I imagine that's why you got such a great engagement, right? Cause people can really feel it. I think it was twofold. Number one, people are addicted to stats. Yes. Right. Yeah. I've always felt like Shopify Solutions to me was a game. Now, it's a very serious game because people's lives are at stake, you know, pay their mortgages, their car payments. But I always looked at it as a game. In fact, there's a fantastic book called The Great Game of Business. Uh, I give everybody a chance to they should read that. But and as I was reading Great Game of Business, I realized, well, this is exactly what I do at Shopify Solutions. I open everything up to my employees I open everything up to the readers of PMP Magazine. I let them in on everything that we're doing. So that's the first thing. People like to compare themselves, how they're doing. Second thing is, is, you know, we learn from failing. Yes. But you learn a lot more when you put your hand on a hot burner. Yep. Then you get a vacation to the Bahamas. Okay. You're going to learn a lot more from burning your hand. And so... What started out, clearly I succeeded because we sold our company and and we did great. We were were growing by 25, 30% a year. But what was interesting was in my articles, I always wrote about my failures, Mm. you know, because I say, hey, this is how I screwed this up. Don't do this. So it's uh, so it was twofold. I think people like comparing themselves to see. And that's an email I always get all the time is, hey, Pete, I've been following you in PNP magazine. And uh, boy, our growth is is very similar to yours. And I I like to go Mm. when I open the magazine. The first thing I do is I go to your graph showing how you're growing your company. Um, so I think they like that, but also, like I said, they 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 like to see the failures and make sure they they avoid them. So. Yeah, I mean the the, the the I'm I'm a numbers and the data guy. One of the things I always tell my team the what the power of data is and and that when you come to a when you come to a a place it's an it's an article it's a meeting it's a room and you're about to say something and talk it can always be viewed as well that's what you think. It's your opinion. When you have a numbers and you have data or you have a graph and you have the support of an information, it takes that away a little bit. It's less, it's not so much what I'm saying. I'm actually just showing you what the data shows. You can disagree with this if you want, 
you could disagree with me, but to disagree with this, you're disagreeing with what it is. So I've always loved to make that a centerpiece of any sort of piece that you're bringing. Because again, like you said, people, people first, they like to watch and look at that, but it also removes you a little bit from it. And people can kind of judge by just looking at the number. So I think it's very effective in a presentation always to support what you're doing with the actual right. number behind it, right? It gives a little more That's transparency behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why KPIs are so important. I mean, I know KPIs is a five years ago thing, but they're still important to today. Um, I love baseball. I'm, a, I'm addicted to baseball stats. That's where the stats go. Absolutely. So and many so, stats. So many stats, but it really works. If you like the movie Moneyball and things like that, it, the, the stats really do work. And nothing, it's no different in pest control. Um, I, I agree with you 100%. The numbers don't lie. If you got a technician who's getting um, 20% mm-hmm. of the callbacks, well, there's a problem. He needs more training, right? Right. And so I, I'm a huge stats guy. Right. So la- last thing on this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into the stuff because um, it's a funny story. I, I coach my son's little league team. <laughs> and he's now he's 10 okay yeah. he's 10 now and so now it's becoming a little more competitive now it's like you play to win and you know they have certain rules about play but it's you play to win at some point baseball is a sport you got to win so you play to win um so i i have all of the, the, the apps you don't know if you're using game changer peter like there's mm-hmm. these apps yeah. right and they get yep. you all the data so I make these spreadsheets and charts. I have all of these data and I go into the, with the other coaches. I'm like, Hey, so check this out. You know, like little Bobby here, he is, is average. Well, is misleading, but look at the percentage of time he gets the ball in play. He's like 85%. He's getting it in play. And you are speaking, you're speaking my language. 95% of the time when he hits it in play, it's going to the left side. So like we can use bot, like, and the, the, it, it really, it helped. And they're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, I am, I am crazy. But in three weeks when it matters, you're going to come to me and say, Hey, who, who should we put at the top of the order? Because when the numbers had, don't uh, lie. Right. That's when it. I had a travel, uh, I had a travel baseball team for my, uh, for years with my, my sons. And uh, when he got to 12, it was really, I felt like it's getting pretty competitive. Yeah. Right. The parents, obviously yeah. very competitive but um and i did the exact same thing you did i had this kid named nate nate was batting 195 brutal just 195 yep. but i batted him third and, and everyone was like why are you batting this kid he can't he get, never gets on base i go he never gets on base without an error i go but he does get on base Correct. because he puts the ball in puts play, the ball in play and 12 year olds fumble the ball Yep. And so they fumbled the ball. And I said, I said, he's batting 195, but his on base percentage, if you count errors, correct. His on base percentage is like like five hundred ridiculous. Correct. Yeah. And like in that in the lower in the leagues where fielding is can be loose, it's val- more valuable to have someone that's gonna get up there and put the ball in play and then is someone that's gonna try to walk, right? Because as they get older, they can throw a little more strikes, but they're less likely to field it cleanly. So like so okay, so I'm with you on that. All right, good. So we're simpatico on that. So data yes. important and you you've not only demonstrated that you like it, you've demonstrated that it was successful in your end goal, which is that you were able to build and grow and sell a business. Right. So tell me about how you, this is, the, this is my, one of my favorite questions. Like, how do you got into pest control or how you got into lawn care? Because most of the time it's not a straightforward story, right? So tell me about where that entered your life. Sure. My dad was an old Orkin guy. Okay. Uh, back in the seventies, he was an Orkin guy, uh, did very well with them, was one of their top salesmen in America. I mean, he was unbelievable. And, um, so I kind of grew up around it, but I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. So I went to college, Elmhurst to college in uh, Elmhurst, Illinois. Okay. And I, I, I did pest control for four years to pay my way through college. So you worked then, in a pest shop, you worked in a locals. Okay. Like a my tech. Dad's. Oh, your dad's. Okay. Yeah. All right. No, I was, a, I was a tech. You were yeah, tech, I out, was a tech out in the houses. All right. 
and I paid my way through college being a technician for my father. And then I was a sports broadcaster for, for about 10, 11 years. Um, and then we had a, um, and this is, this is where you say that the story turns. We had a, we had a death in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my father-in-law came down to Raleigh, North Carolina to be with us for the birth of my son. I had eight off days a year because I was a sports broadcaster. I broadcast on Thanksgiving. I broadcast mm-hmm. on Christmas. I broadcast on what on, sport, on, by the way, sports specific or no? What, what, what was... um, I did pretty much everything, but but uh, college football, mm-hmm. uh, college basketball, and minor league baseball were okay. my big three. Okay, minor league baseball. All right, and so I was broadcasting literally. Uh, 378, uh, 358 days a year. And so I had uh, like eight days off a year. And um, so my son was, we knew he was going to be a C-section. He was breached. He's going to be a C-section baby. So we picked a Monday, as long as he didn't come early. We picked a Monday. My in-laws came into town to, from Chicago to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina to be there for the birth. Uh, they got to see my son Trey born. Uh, they went out for dinner that night and my father-in-law had a massive heart attack and died that night oh are you serious yeah no oh my God. It was, i'm so it's sorry re- that is no terrible. it was a it was really terrible and that was 25 years ago and it was uh it was one of those things that was so devastating that my wife and i were kind of we were lost mm. we, we didn't know where we wanted to go how, how old was he peter how old was he when he pat when he, oh i think he was 57 mm, my, was my my mother-in-law passed at 55 54 from a heart attack oh. sudden so we went through that whole thing complete out of nowhere it was it was it's it out of turns nowhere. everything upside everything goes like everything sorry uh, one minute one minute that's okay it's, I, mean, I feel bad for you too and yeah, I, I, you i've know, been there my so, condolences to your family yes <laughs> so that's that's what turned me back to pest control was I, I turned to my wife and said listen i just don't have i i, I want to be a father right um to to our kids and i don't want to be on the road all the time and so the death of my father-in-law really, we, we've refocused on family. So we moved to Chicago. I asked my, I know how to do two things in this world, Chris. I know how to kill a cockroach and I know how to broadcast a college football game. I have no other talents in this uh, world. That's funny. And so I, uh, I asked my dad, I said, listen, I, I need a job. And so I went back to work for his company, Mid-Central. And uh, within two years, I was a GM of the company. Um, and then three more years later, I, I got that itch. You know, that I, that, mm-hmm. you know, I love my dad. He's my right. best friend in the whole wide world. But I, I said, man, I, I really, I think I can do it bigger and better. And so I went out and started my own company after working with him for about uh, five years. And what was that like conversation with your dad? Was he very supportive or? He was pretty supportive. I mean, he, like I said, we were, he's my best friend. And um, um, there were some things happening within the company family. It's always family, right? Yeah. There were some family yeah. issues within the company and I just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I, I approached him and told him what my ideas were. And he uh, he had business cards printed up for me that said Benedict Arnold Pest Control. And, uh, <laughs> that's great. That's a true story. That's it's a true awesome. story. Do you still have them? It's, Do you still have no, the Oh, I don't. That'd be I, awesome. we've, yeah, that'd be I awesome. know. I, I, but, was um, it the same Benedict area Arnold. of service, though, Pete? Like, was it this? So you were in the similar, so you were a competitor? We were. He wasn't in Wisconsin. So I okay. started up in Wisconsin. And kind of work my way back down again. Okay. All and right. uh, so for the first four or five years, I really, we weren't really competitors, but he's my dad. He loves me. And so he, uh, he started referring work to me. Oh, you know, he, I get a phone call from my dad said, Hey, Mrs. Hey. Johnson needs help. And so it was kind of cool. Does he, how long did he, I mean, where did his business go? Is it still in operation or no? Uh, he, he, he passed away about six years ago, but then, um, my two brothers continued on the company and uh, it was it was a really hard thing. They we went from um, having twenty six technicians down to, to two technicians. Now it just one of those things where 
I, I saw the writing on the wall and, mm-hmm. and I, I knew I knew we needed to make some emergency changes within the company. And I caused a lot of the problems. I, I, I knew that. I, I mm-hmm. over-marketed. Um, I over, we, we spread ourselves too thin. I knew a lot of things need to be fixed. But he, he was really excited with the growth. He was excited working with his family. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to make those changes. So, um, mm-hmm. So anyway, that, there's a lot of yeah. reasons why I went off and did mm. my thing, but okay. uh, but it's still in existence. Uh, Mid Central still is a thing down in Aurora, Illinois. My brother Drake still does it, and um, um, he's doing a good job. So you're passed in your family. I mean, pest control sounds like it's, it was your dad, and then you have brother or brothers that were in so it. So many people. I've got uh, two nephews, uh, okay. three nephews that uh, do it. Okay. Um, I've got one who's one of the top salesmen for Orkin in America right now. Wow. He's uh, annually receiving – he flies to Atlanta, flies to New wow. Orleans, gets all kinds of awards. He's doing a great job with Orkin. Um, my brother Drake, my brother Eric are both doing pest control. Uh, my my nephew Ethan was doing pest control for Orkin. So, yeah, we're – we're, we're all there. All right. So you you go out on your your own. Um, you, you We know the story now. But then did you find like in your first year or two, like or, or right, like maybe this is different or was it exactly what you thought? Or was there no hiccup right away? Did you what was the main differences that you encountered when, at, when it became yours? Um, no one understands what it what it means to be an owner until, until unless you're an owner. You know, I, and you're responsible running, for other humans and t- like things like that, right? And it's not only that; it's it's the bills, it's the bills, it's yeah. the paying the more. You're still paying the mortgage on your house, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get these customers in. Scheduling, uh, health insurance. I mean, mm. there's there's so many things involved when you're an owner that even if you're a general manager of a company, you you don't have as much. Clearly, you don't have as much skin in the game as an owner does. Correct. Right. The owner is the one who has a sleepless nights during COVID. You know, the owners that's the ones having sleepless nights when when a technician gets in a truck accident. And so uh, the first four years I was by myself, I was pretty happy. Uh, it was just me. I was making tons of money. The company was I was growing it really quick. Uh, but by that fourth year, I knew I needed help. And so um, but I knew if I was going to start hiring people that it, it couldn't be like a sputtering, like hire people. Right. Wait. Right. It had to be. Right. You, know, you had to put the gas down mm. and that pedal put your foot on the gas and, and just, just go. get it going yep. and that's what we did first first year i decided to hire somebody hired two people and then i just exponentially kept hiring after year after year until we got to about 50 employees last summer wow so what do you think looking back what what were some of those early like just this maybe this is just uh maybe my own sort of uh bias but what were some of those growth strategies that you you leveraged early on right because there's those People look at it and go, well, you know, there's knocking is a big thing where people get going in certain places. That's the yeah. route they choose, which they can get a lot of customers in quick, right? But they churn down the line a little bit faster. What was some of the growth strategies early that you looked at that, that you think that were successful? You know, I was in a, I grew, I started my company at a very weird time. Um, I still did phone books. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 17 years ago. Phone books are still yep. a viable mm-hmm. alternative. In fact, in fact, in a lot of instances, the only thing you could do to get your company going. So, I uh, the first three four months I did door to door, but it was um, uh, there's no packages or anything involved. I was just handing out business cards. Right. Really, um, I went to uh, not the Benedict Arnold ones. I'm assuming you didn't. No, yeah. no not yeah, at yeah. all. Okay, no. And then I went to uh, I went to every single real estate office. Mm in uh, southern Wisconsin and northern Illinois. I mean, I hit every single real estate office and handed out business cards. And those people, those real estate agents, really were the ones early on who helped me get my company going. Um, and so that that was that was great. Um, I got to meet a lot of um, 
home inspectors. Got my name out there, the home inspectors. Got my name out there, the wildlife guys. And that's how I really started networking. Uh, I joined a couple of networking groups, uh, like a BNI type group. Um, I also became a big member of the Chamber of Commerce. I, I very involved the Chamber of Commerce. All those things helped me grow my company. Um, but back then, it was it was Yellow Pages. It mm-hmm. really was Yellow Pages. But about twelve years ago, Service Magic started coming into play, mm-hmm. and I started doing a lot of Service Magic, which of course would become Home Advisor, which yep. would of course become Angie's yep. List. And service magic back then was great. Mm. I mean, it was cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, the leads were fantastic. Mm-hmm. As long as you answered the phone first, yeah. you, you were, you're going to you're going to sell it. Is pay per lead model? Is that what it is? What you pay per the lead you got, or is it a? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. 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 It definitely was. And so uh, that's what we. Did. So I did the first. So about my fifth year in business, I started in service magic, and then, uh, I mean, I was closing on sixty percent of them. It was fantastic. Um, Started a great referral program mm-hmm. um, called Bug Bucks, yep. and I made a little dollar bill of bugs all over it. We'd give it to customers anytime they referred other people to us. So our referral program was just it was hot. It was fantastic. Um, and then you know we um, at that point we started doing other things like Thumbtack, um, mm-hmm. Angie's List, mm-hmm. Yelp. Um, eventually, it would be Google local ads yep. and things and like Google, that. You, you know? got your map and all your review. Then you started building your digital reviews. So you 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 ran the gamut. You ex, you evolved as as the time yeah. evolved. Um, but well, by the time you got to that digital space, you had a reputation. You had your name out there. So I imagine that helps um, build those reviews and get those things going quicker. Now you mentioned obviously th- this wasn't a perfect road for you. I'm assuming you stumbled and I'm assuming you hit some blocks and you wrote about them in your, uh, as you, as you mentioned. So can you let me know, like, let everybody know what were some of those? Can you look back on your journey? Were, can you identify places where you, you hit a wall and you were like, man, or was it on a key growth steps that you had a hard time getting over? Just talk to us a little bit about some of that. You know, we all make mistakes, and uh, and I did document a lot of them. Um, my, I had not finished my first year in business when I tried to hire a technician. Um, I didn't have enough customers. Um, I did not. And mm-hmm. so uh, he kind of died on the vine, mm-hmm. and I, I've always felt horrible about that. Um, a few years later, we were growing so fast that and, – and I was always – I was always in the field. I was one. I was a hands-on owner, so I was I was pumping out eighteen, nineteen, twenty thousand dollars a month myself. Wow. I was still taking all the sales calls. I was still doing all the billing. I was still doing the routing. I mean, it was it was nuts. And what happened was, I let I almost let my Illinois certification lapse because I forgot to go to my CEUs because oh. I, I was so busy. Right, I was out there. I was hustling, 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 and I, I, I didn't go to any CEU classes. So I got a postcard in the mail one November that said, uh, your license is going to lapse on December 31st. And I had to get nine credit hours. Well, Ooh. it's November. No one's doing credit hours oh, in November. No. So I, uh, I was lucky. Iowa does they're the last ones of the year they do theirs in november so i went to iowa and i got to six hours oh my God. but i still needed three more so i found a, a terminex branch in kankakee illinois was anytime uh any in the state of illinois especially if you're going to do recertification for your technicians you have to also allow other people to come and so I piggybacked the Terminex classes and I got my other three hours. And uh, that was like that was like December 7th. Oh. So I literally so what would like, have what would have happened, though, if it lapses, what happens? You shut down like you can't operate until 
I, I would have called the state and begged them, but uh, yeah, until until we would have got my certification oh, back, um, we would have been out of business. And when was that? That was what was like probably a key point, right? You were really cranking at that probably point in time. Eighth, probably my eighth year in business. Okay. Yeah, probably my eighth year in business. I had, I think I had at that point nine employees. Okay. And uh, yeah, we would have been screwed. And so it was it was a nightmare. So yeah, we. And then my last big failure or, or change, if you want to call it that, was um, about six years ago. We had really bad culture in my company. Uh, it was like a frat house. Mm. And we, uh, I mean, you know, but we worked. I mean, our, my guys were putting in 12, 13 hours mm. a day, but we were, you know, we were drinking beer at night and eating pizzas mm. and they were helping me call the routes and there's mm. no standard operating procedures in place mm. and how we're going to call the routes or set them up. And so it was just like we were making money hand over fist, but but we really had a, a frat house type atmosphere. And so when I tried to get more professional, a lot of the guys are pushing back on me, mm. right? Because, and so what ended up happening, I, I bought a building. Um, we moved everybody in. We started hiring a lot uh, more diversified group of people. And they were just having a real hard time with it. And so I ended up, uh, we got up to about 24 employees and I, I ended up firing six of them mm. because they just, they just couldn't, couldn't they, do it. It just, it was too stagnant. They weren't too rowing stagnant. the boat. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't rowing the boat in the same direction that I was now. Yeah. And I was trying to improve the culture. So we did some company, we did some core values. We created core mm. values. We created some leadership teams, um, started hiring some managers and, and we, we cleaned house and we, mm. we really did. Ever since then, company culture has been a real strength at our company. Mm. Uh, we did a really good job with it, and um, but those would be some kind mm. of the failures I had over the years. It does matter culture at a company, right? I mean, people will people have debated. I've heard debates on this. Like, it doesn't matter. People have these core values. Like, what does it mean? It does really matter because if you have a that stale air in an environment of work, it 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 can it's like hey, it spreads. And once it has that, like your the, the biggest value are your people. If you're going to have a business that scales and grows, you need to re, you know retain the best people and keep them there and keep them happy. It's hard to do that if the culture's bad, right? I mean, you I, it sounds like you ascribe to this. I not only ascribe to it, I, I, I preach it. Um, most of the presentations I give across America when I'm traveling around the country and, and giving talks is on company culture. Mm. Um, uh, to me, it is the most important thing in your business. Um, you know, you can be a hard ass and or, or you can be someone like that. But if you're not training your people, if you're not if you're not involved in your company, if you're one of these owners who kind of just, you know, you're on vacation for six months out of the year, then you expect to show up. And lead your people. That's just not. It's not going to work. Um, our company culture, Showcase Solutions, was. It's the best. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we. The day I sold my company, I was about to say. Well, then now it's a good segue to the sell because with a good company culture, how does that get perceived? So go ahead on go ahead on that thought, and we can start to talk about that. So I when I when I, you know, brought everybody in for mm-hmm. a, a meeting. Uh, we every year we have a sexual harassment class mm-hmm. we give, and so mm-hmm. everybody knew it was coming. So we, we put, brought everybody in on a Monday for a sexual harassment class. We did the class, and then I stood up in front of everybody and said, "Listen, I got, I got ten things I want to tell you guys." And I said, "There's ten reasons why you should smile every day you wake up." And I went through this whole monologue of of why smiling is so important, right? And I'm going to smile right now. Look at me, I'm smiling, and you're going to smile. You have no you have no control over it, Chris. You're yeah, going to smile because I'm true. smiling. It's right? so true. Yeah. And so I explained to them about how smiling is so important in your everyday lives. And then I told them I sold my business. And as I'm doing it, my lips like, started quivering, you know, mm-hmm. like that, and I started crying. Uh, I looked out in the audience, and, and these big husky guys that have working for me, they're all crying. And then I, I left um, and I, I, I'd let the Rollins people come in and, and, and introduce them. And then I left out of back door. 
was in the park, parking lot, hyperventilating, and my wife was trying to console me. You know, I mean, I was a millionaire overnight, but and that's, just, that's I hate when people say that. I was not a millionaire overnight. They, I, I, I got. I got a big payday, Correct. but it took 17 years to get there. But Correct. anyway, right. Yes. But but That's it, true. You got the money I, maybe overnight, but it wasn't yeah. an overnight thing. Yeah, no. no. <laughs> so I was in the parking lot crying and thinking to myself, I shouldn't be crying. I should be happy. This is such a big moment for me. But I was, I was so sad that I was leaving my employees and one by one, they all started coming out to the parking lot. And, and I go, oh, God, they all quit. That's the first thing. I, are they, oh, my God, they all quit. And But they all, one by one, just came out sobbing and hugging me. And, mm-hmm. and it was just, uh, it was both the best day of my life and the worst day of my life. And uh, But that, um, in that moment, it. you saw the culture that you built come together, yeah. right? I mean, it must have been exactly. such a great feeling that you could, first of all, be that emotional amongst the, the, the team yeah. and then get it reciprocated back. Whenever you see reciprocal emotion like that, it tells you that you've made an impact on them, right? You have to have. There's no way you can get that emotional. If no one cares, no one gives a whatever, they're not going to care. But um, wow, that's 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 a that's a cool story. So, okay, so the sale. So at some point, did it cross your mind? Like how when when did you start to be like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna unload this. That's the goal. Was the exit always that, or were, did it just sort of pop up and like now's the time? I'm seeing this. Tell me about that. I always ask people this. Yeah, there we had no succession plan. Um, it was my my I have one son who's uh, going to be a lawyer in North Carolina. Um, he's finishing up school right now. I got another son who's going to be probably a uh, an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, okay. He's he's going to school in. Um, in Iowa right now. So there was no success. You needed plan. that payday overnight, Peter. You got a lot of kids <laughs> in uh, the grad schools there. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping they'll take care of the old man someday. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. Uh, so they, um, so I, I knew there was no succession plan. So my goal, I wanted to hit, I wanted to get onto the PCT mm-hmm. top 100. Yep. That was my goal. Yep. That's, get we hear that from a lot of people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so we were really close and, uh, but uh, Rollins was very generous. Uh, uh, the Oust group brokered a deal for mm-hmm. me that was, I just couldn't refuse. It was one of those deals where, you know, I, I knew that, um, an offer like this doesn't come along very often. So I was very grateful to Rollins, very grateful to the Alice group that they could broker such a deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it had nothing to do with being greedy, had nothing right. to do with um, I was I was burnt out yeah. or anything like that. It was just it was just a good it was just a good opportunity. It was a good thing. Yeah. It was I mean, a good like, opportunity. Yeah. So I um, I read I was reading about the things you wrote about the sale. I believe it was um, I don't know if it was the most recent article. It was an article I was reading about it. And um um, oh no, no, I lost my train of thought. Oh no, Chris, we were just talking about the, oh, the, the brokering the deal. So this is something I don't know if everybody understands, but you don't know, I'm assuming you didn't know how to sell a business and the legalities no. and the paperwork and the negotiations and such. So there are people that helped you with that. Correct. And so yeah. can you talk a little bit about that? You don't have to get into so much of the detail, but the process, because I imagine it might be a daunting thing for people to think like, how the hell do I do this? I have no idea what they're going to take advantage of me. You know, they're going to. So how 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 did you find that? And tell me about the process. You know, there there had been a lot of pest control companies at various um or, uh, organizational meetings or pest world, things like that, who had pulled me to the side and said, hey, when you're ready, you know, when you're ready, come talk to us. And but but I I didn't I didn't know what the first thing about selling a company clearly, and so um, Stuart Oust was somebody that uh, I was friendly with. Uh, we're both Christian men, and um, you know we have we we both had great cultures at our company. We we loved our employees, and so I knew he was somebody that I felt like could find me a company 
that would take care of my employees. And so that was the first thing. Stuart took care of everything after that. In fact, Stuart's sons were just phenomenal. His son, Daniel, is just a rock star. I, I love all of his boys, but Daniel and I really hit it off. And um, they took care of everything. They made they babied me. They, they told me what they needed at different increments. So they like I mean, match made. It sounds like a, is this matchmaking? Is that what it is? They yeah. get they take your company and they find you a suitor, if you will. Yeah, for doing this. They enough. did. Okay. Yep, they All did. Right. And and that's what exactly it is. It's it's their suitors. You go out for you have Zoom meetings. You go out for dinner with yep. these people. You know, it, it's 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 a, quite a process, and um, it would be really tough to do it. Um, for a company of my size, it'd be really tough to do it on my own. I just, I would never been able to do it. They found me my lawyer and everything. Mm. Back to, back quickly to the culture uh, thing. So when you're, when you're in these conversations and now it's matchmaking, there's suitors and they're out there and they're, they're, they, there's a, a big element of this is how much are they going to pay? Let's not say that that doesn't matter. And that's part of the, that's a big part of it, but they're going to come in and take over this company where your employees still work. So I'm, I'm assuming, or maybe not, is that part of the calculus? Like how are they going to treat the team or like in a sale, is it assumed that everyone's going to be out or you're looking at this and saying, I want to do the best I can from a financial perspective? Yes. But I also want to make sure the company will go and people will have a home. Is that part of the calculus? The answer is C. Yes, Chris. Okay. Answer is C. Yeah. What the last thing you said is perfect. Okay. Um, that was my biggest concern was, was a, how much can I get? Right. And B was, um, I don't want any changes from my employees. Yep. I, I don't want them to feel like they've been kicked to the curb. Yep. And and Rollins has done a really good job of of making my employees feel like they're a part of something bigger. And do they still do you do they still consult with you at all? Are you still have a hand in or oh, no, it's not part of the agreement like they Not so much. Okay. No, not so much. All I right. uh, you know, they they really want my people running the show now. Yeah, they don't want to have to yeah. keep relying on Pete would, that would as, make a, sense. as a crutch. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that may make sense. Yeah. And they have their own systems in place, you know, and, and everything. So it's uh, – they've been – once again, they've been really good to me. I, I got really very few complaints um, and, and they've good. been – you know, so far they've been really good to my employees. So um, before we before we close, I want to talk about your current your current venture that's keeping you busy and keeping your wife sane. So you're not at home. I say to my wife, you're not going to be able to deal with me if I retire. She's like, you're not going to retire. That's the thing I can I'm, tell I would be like a squirrel on heroin. Yeah, she'd be, be so like, bad. there's no way you're sitting here with the energy and the conversation that you want to have with me all day long. I love you, but like you're gonna have to do something. So I maybe I'll maybe I'll get into little league as a little league statistician and <laughs> and, and offer that as a as a because by the time yeah. I retire, I imagine that'll be a big business the way things are going. Um first of all, the name. I gotta know the name, the reason behind the name. We call uh, my consulting that I'm doing is called RV There Yet Pest Consulting. R, yep. And that's because my wife and I, I've written about this in PMP Magazine. My wife and I, we want to travel in the RV as much as humanly possible. And I want to go to people, right? So if there's a company and, and there's a company in North Carolina that's struggling and then there, I, I wouldn't call it bar rescue, nothing like that. Right, right, right. Just, just a company looking, hey, Pete, you know, we're going at a 10 or 12% clip. We know you grew at 25 and 30%. Can you help us get to that That's level? That's cool. Then I want to drive to them. I want to meet with their people. And I, I really want to I want to jump into their company and see how they're doing things. So that's where the name came from. Are we there yet? Are we there yet financially? Are we there are we there yet? Um, you know, culturally. And um, and that's what we want to help people do. That's that's cool. Do you does but is that actually materialized? So you get in the RV and you go? Okay, so here's a funny story. And I know we're over our limit here. No, but, it's fine. Um, we, had, we had uh my very first on-site consulting company was in the Bahamas. Clearly, I didn't take my RV to the Bahamas. 
<laughs> you can and get so, to a certain point, but then you got to get out. Yeah. So no. So they flew me, but uh, but then uh, very recently I was in Greenville, South Carolina, working with a company down there, a great company, and we took our RV there. Uh, camped out. Uh, I, I, I did a four-hour training session with their employees. It was fantastic. And so um, I'm going to be in Indiana this summer. Do you get a, content? Uh, Are you taking a video of this, of you in the RV as you roll into the pest control uh, shop no. and stuff like that? No, I am not nearly as fancy as that. Maybe you guys can help oh, me down man. the road. That sounds like a great up. set of content for like we marketers are always content is king. We're always looking for ways to get good content, user-generated uh, Chris, content. You and I, maybe we could talk later. That's what's I, up. I That's like a little it. little mini series on the RV yes. on the road with Peter going down. That's what's up. I love that. That's what? really really smart. So the yeah. wife goes with you. She travels with you. She loves it. She loves That's the awesome. RV. See, that's awesome. Loves it. That's great. Yeah. That's really great. Uh, and congr- I'm never really far. I'm never really away from her a lot. Right? No, uh, I know. I'm, I give like a one hour presentation here, a four hour presentation there. And the rest of the time it's her and I just, uh, that's awesome. sitting by the campfire. Yeah. That's what's uh, That's awesome. Well, congratulations on everything. It sounds incredible. Um, before we close, I got a little rapid fire. I do this with each guest. These questions are benign. I promise. Um, I mean, let's do this real quick and then we can close it out. And right before we end, I'll ask you to give, uh, the people the information on where maybe they can find you rolling up one day with a, with an RV to help them out. So, Here we go. Whatever comes to your brain quickest, that's the answer you're going to give me. So we go in three, two, one. All right. Text or talk? Talk. Dark chocolate or milk? Oh, dark. Same. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Summer or winter? Summer. Morning or evening? Morning. Salty or sweet? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Salty sweet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This one, that one's tough. Uh, Favorite day of the week? Saturday. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Speak every language in the world. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? Seven minutes. I think I'm less than 10 too. Uh, Scale of one to 10, how good of a driver are you? According to you, not your wife or anyone else. (laughs) 11. 11. Invisibility or super strength? Invisibility. Rats or- that sounds terrible. (laughs) I don't want anyone ever to see me. Rats or mice? Rats. Uh, bees or wasps? Wasps. Wow. Everyone picks the bee because everyone feels like they have to pick the bee. Um, if you're really hungry, would you eat a bug? Yes. And is this the best podcast that you've ever appeared on? <laughs> Franklin Hernandez, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> oh, at least you've appeared on more than one. People will tell me this is the only show I've ever been on, so I guess it is. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll take yes from you in our little world, and then you can tell the other people yes when you go on their show. It's a good rule. It's a written, unwritten. It's okay. It's all yeah. good. Peter Chopin, I really appreciate it. This is an incredible story. Congratulations on all your success. If people want to learn how they can get your knowledge and brain power in that RV rolling up, where can they go? Where, where can they find you? Um, I love phone calls because I love to talk. Mm-hmm. So they can call me at 847-529-2847. Or they can email me at rvthereyetpest at gmail.com. That's what's up. So we'll have that information too in the show notes for anybody that's listening. You can just click and look right there. We'll have the information. I appreciate you taking a little bit of time to be field famous and let everybody know about your journey. Cause like we said, I think we both agree the best way to learn in life is to learn from the journeys and learn from the failures of others. Yeah. So I appreciate yourself putting yourself out there and you continue to do so. Oh, where's the article? It's in PMP. They can go there and find it, right? To read more of those articles. All they gotta do is type in Pete Chopin or PMP. Either way, they're gonna find the articles. Yep. All right, awesome. Peter, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Great talking with you. Thank you, Chris. 